Good morning, Wiggums. Man, that's bright. Do you think they designed it to be like this? Hope you're doing well this morning. Hope you're having a good morning of worship. Um, so this morning, we're going to start doing what, what I've traditionally done, and that is just put together a real simple set of um, slides to help you understand where we are uh, as we work through this text. So we're in Galatians 5, but we're not really going to be there this morning. We're actually going to believe in Luke 16. And so let me give you some background about Galatians 5, which will help you understand where we are. That So Paul, he, he's challenging the churches of Galatia to this Roman region to, to live in gospel freedom. And the, you know, you would ask, okay, how do we do that? And he says, well, you, you live... You're led, you walk by the Holy Spirit. And then he gives 15 fruits of the flesh. This is, if you're living like this, if this is what's coming out of your heart, you're not in the Spirit. And he even says you're not part of God's kingdom. And then he gives nine fruits of, of the Spirit. And so today we're going to look at faithfulness. And we're not looking at all of these, but today we're going to look at faithfulness. And the Greek word literally is just faith that's lived out, walking and living in, in faith. So we're going to examine faithfulness. And, you know, because Galatians 5.22 just gives one word, faithfulness, I'm, I'm not that good of a preacher. I can't preach a whole sermon there. So we're going to look at Luke 16, where Christ talks about the unfaithful manager, and he says some amazing things about faithfulness. So if you would, look in your Bibles at Luke 16, verses 1 to 13. And just give me a hand when you're there, and I'll start reading. Okay. Verse 1. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses." So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe the master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the internal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, 
who will entrust you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Please pray with me just once more. Father, we want to be faithful men and women with much and little, things that are seen and unseen. Father, Lord, because it's, it, it's all yours. We're the managers, Lord. Everything we have belongs to you. And we want to use it for your glory and to build the kingdom. We ask that your spirit would use your word right now and speak to us and encourage our hearts that we might walk in a faithful way just like our Savior did. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in 2009, you might remember the the life and the legend of the world's greatest golfer began to to fall apart. Not, Not so much on the greens, but in his home. You probably remember the story. Tiger Woods was the first athlete to earn a billion dollars. He had won 14 majors. And then one Thanksgiving night, it came across the news feed in his home that he had had an affair. And his wife, seeing and hearing that, took up a golf club and he chased him out of the house. You probably remember the scene. And then later it came out that he had had over 14 different affairs. Now his wife divorced him, moved back to Europe. But what if the wife had said when the press approached her, what are you going to do? And she said something like this. It's no big deal. He didn't do anything wrong, really, did he? Just a man being a man. It's just a small thing. He's faithful in the big things. Like, he pays our bills. He's a good father. The world heard that. (laughs) They'd go crazy. Claiming, look, she's been manipulated She has to divorce him, they would say. Here's why. You can't be an unfaithful husband and still be a good husband. Because we all understand the value of faithfulness, we know that unfaithfulness breaks relationship and loses trust. Now, what I find amazing is the the world understands this very much on one hand, that unfaithfulness breaks relationship and trust, and therefore they scream for divorce in any arena of unfaithfulness, it seems. But on the other hand, they say often about unfaithfulness, oh, that's just their personal life. It doesn't mean that that person won't be a good leader, won't be a good politician. It doesn't mean that we can't trust them in other arenas of their life. They failed to see and understand really Jesus' teaching on faithfulness. So in Luke 16, what we see is a manager who has been unfaithful to his boss, really. And Jesus says to his disciples, if you are faithful with little things, then you will be faithful with the big things. And if you are not faithful in these small things, God will never entrust to you 
the riches of his kingdom. Which means, if a man or woman is unfaithful to their spouse, that same heart of unfaithfulness will show in their finances. Right? In their work. In their friendship. And the opposite is also true. If the Spirit works faithfulness in you, you will be faithful in big and small. Private and public. Seen and unseen. So here's our main idea today. The Spirit's work of faithfulness in you gives you grace to be faithful in the small and the big, private and public, seen and unseen. Speaking of unseen, with I'd never realized how much I spit when I preach until this light. <laughs> Just flying out. Be glad. I see why people never sit on this front row now. Okay, here's point one. Point one. Let's look first at the unfaithful servant. Unfaithful servant. Look in your Bibles. I'm just going to read uh, verse 1 and 2 again. There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you no longer are the manager. Now, in our culture, when we say a certain rich man or a certain rich woman, it really doesn't, it doesn't say anything about the morality, does it? Or the type of person they are. But in the Jewish culture of that day, when they said a certain rich person, what was implied here is they were dishonorable, they were greedy, one who gained money by harming others. So this rich man is the owner of some sort of estate, some sort of land that he's been collecting rent from the farmers. And they are indebted to him. Now, he does that through this manager. The manager is a free man. He's, he's hired to run the estate. He's the one that's negotiated with all the local farmers, their contracts. And Jewish law said that anything done by the agent bound the master, bound the landowner. So, so this man was powerful. He actually spoke for and signed documents for the landowner himself. Therefore, it's important to choose a faithful manager because of his power. So there's an um, old Roman agriculturalist that we, we have a bunch of his documents. His name is Cumella. And he writes about how to pick a faithful master or steward. And listen, this is what he says. Select someone who has a good mind but is illiterate because not knowing his letters, he is less able to cheat you. So this is common, right? This is something that was going on. So the problem was the rich man had chosen an unfaithful manager. And there's a word there in your text and it says squandering. Maybe you can see that there. And it's the same word that's used to describe the prodigal in, verse, in chapter 15. It literally means wasting or mismanagement. That's what he's been doing. Wasting, mismanaging. So that when he's fired... He's given time, now go get the books in order. And notice what he does, verse 3. I know what I'll do now, he says. And he calls in all the indebted farmers, and he systematically reduces their debt, which is a common practice if there's a bad weather or bad weather or storm wipes out your crop. They would do that, but not in this type situation. Why did he do that? Verse 4, look in your Bibles. They were, notice those, just those words, 
received into their households. In other words, he realizes, hey, I, I can't work again, and nobody's going to hire me to be a, a manager. My, my reputation is rubbish now. I, I'm not strong. I certainly don't want to be a beggar. And so he decided he was going to be a freeloader. By helping these farmers, they would be indebted to him, and then he can leech off of them for some time. Does that make sense? Do you, do you see his game plan? In verse 8. And this is, this is where it takes an unusual turn for us. The master commended, what? The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. But the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Stop there. Notice, he acted shrewdly. Now, it, it didn't tell us exactly what happened, but the shrewd landowner admired the shrewd manager. In other words, the, the dishonest landowner really admired the dishonest manager that was working for him. Here's what's incredible. Jesus praises him. And when you read that, you're left going, what? Listen, the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Now, people are often confused by this, but here's what this parable is really about. That the agents of unrighteousness and the children of light often deal differently. Unbelievers and believers. And what he's telling believers, you and me, disciples, is he's not saying imitate this man's sin. That's not what he's saying. But his shrewdness, his quick action, his concern for the future. Disciples, you need to be quick in action, he's saying. Shrewd. Act by being faithful to God. The good ruler trusting in his son. It's almost like he's saying being, be wise as serpents. Now, how many movies have you watched over the years and thieves go into a casino and they rob it, right? There's been heaps of movies made like that. They go into a giant casino, they plan this great heist, and they rob it. The casino, before putting them in jail, then he comes out and he praises their ingenuity. He praises their genius. He praises their shrewdness. And yet the audience sees both as crooks. Everybody who heard the story here would have the same impression. They would have seen the dishonorable rich man and his tricky, slick business agent who is unfaithful to his master to save him. And what Jesus is saying, my friends, is like the prodigal that he's just talked about before, many of God's people live only for the present. They live an unfaithful lifestyle, never concerned about the future, never thoughtful about eternity or about their father. They just want their daily bread and their daily entertainment. And so he's saying, look, learn from the manager here who realized time is short he planned and he plotted quickly for his future. And so God's people must live in light of eternity, which firstly means take hold of God's salvation and graces and then understand that He is the owner. We are the manager of everything He has and to live in light of that and to do it shrewdly and intentionally. Does that make sense? 
It doesn't seem like it does. Okay, well, we've got to go to point two. Okay, point two. Jesus then applies a story, okay? There's the story. Now let me apply it more to your life. Verses 10 to 12, if you'll look back there with me once more. One who is faithful in a very little is faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you have been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Look, the big idea here is God cares about small things, right? One who is faithful in very little. We often think faithfulness only matters in the big things. Things people see. So I'm faithful to my wedding vows. I'm faithful to pay my bills. I'm faithful to come to worship, to go to work. And God's standard is actually so much greater than that. Faithfulness actually begins with the small things. The things that no one sees but Him. No one knows about but Him. They don't matter to others. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit in you. It is a matter of the heart, of your heart. And if it is lacking, then you will be faithful in small and eventually in big. Important and not important. It's not about the amount or size of something, but whether the heart is committed to be faithful to Christ in all things. Do you get that? That's what this is about. Whether the heart is committed to be faithful to Jesus in everything that we have. Not just the big things that everybody sees. Now notice how he turns it. You are God's manager, he says. Right? Here it is. If you have not been trustworthy and unrighteous mammon, or wealth. Mammon or wealth is anything of value, money, wealth, goods. Unrighteous mammon literally means the, the things that belong to the world which are valuable. So our calling, Christian, is to be faithful with the big things, the things that everybody sees, and the little. Seeing that it all belongs to the landowner. And he has given it to you. You are the manager of it. And he cares about how you manage it. Not just the spiritual things, but what he calls the mammon of the world. Now, last thing. He rewards then. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with riches? No one in that community will ever hire that manager with or entrust him with their riches again. Because he has proved unfaithful. And God is saying, if you can't be faithful with the unrighteous, the common things, the, just the simple things of the world, how can you be faithful with the great things of God's kingdom? The real riches, the big things. I, I knew an older pastor who led a man to Christ, and this man was incredibly wealthy. And he began to disciple him, and at some point in their relationship, he determined that, that uh, the young Christian man, was, he, he wasn't tithing at all. He wasn't giving anything to God's kingdom. 
And so he, he approached him, and we'll say the man's name was Bob. The pastor approached Bob, and he just said, you know, Bob, I, I've just noticed that, um, talking about faithfulness, that you haven't been faithful in your tithing. And Bob said, do you know how much money we're talking about? Do you know how much money we're talking about? If I was to tithe on that, do you know how much money we're talking about? And the shrewd pastor just listened. Mm, I understand that's tough. And he said, let's just pray. And he said, Lord, I just pray that you would take away some of Bob's blessings so that he can tithe again. <laughs> Amen. And the man got it. Faithfulness in big, faithfulness in little. My friends, God blesses our faithfulness in many ways in heaven and on earth. But please catch this. But from first to last, it is not your faithfulness that saves you. It is the faithfulness of Christ, God's manager, you might say, that saves you. It was the Father's plan that the Son would come as His faithful servant, serving us by being our substitute and taking our great debts upon the cross. Not calling us out to pay or to negotiate or to say, I will do this and I will do that. No, but the manager himself carried our debts upon the cross to be the sacrifice of God for the complete and total forgiveness of sins. And because of this faithfulness, therefore, we are never cast out of the kingdom when we struggle like the manager did here. And all God's people should say, Amen. Because we all do struggle with unfaithfulness. How do we think and live this? Let's close with two last thoughts. First is this. Hey, are, are you faithful in the small things? The heart's deceitful, at least mine is. And it tells us, listen, you can be faithful with the big things, so keep the outward appearance up, but faithful to obey Christ in the hidden things, don't worry about. My friends, the problem is, if you are unfaithful in the small things, it's a heart problem. And eventually, that same heart will be unfaithful in the big things as well. Just like in the last week, I heard of two pastor friends who were unfaithful to their wives and are now out of ministry. That didn't start with big things. That started with unfaithfulness with small things, and then the unfaithful heart took over the big things. If there are hidden secret places that you are unfaithful to your spouse, in your finances, how you conduct your business, how you treat people, I want to encourage you, that sin cannot be contained to small things. And if you don't turn to Christ and repent of it, unfaithfulness will begin to take down the large things in your life, like your marriage, your job, your friendships, and ruin you. That's its goal. Second, how do we cultivate faithfulness? Well, I'm not just going to tell you, go out and be faithful. It's a work of the Spirit. And the more you walk in or led by the Spirit, 
the more we will manage our life like a faithful manager in God's world. Okay? How do you cultivate it? Psalm 119.30 I have chosen the way of faithfulness. Your ordinances I have set before me. The way of faithfulness, your ordinances. In other words, God and the Spirit will grow you in faithfulness and small and big the more you engage your heart and mind in the ordinances of God. What are ordinances, Rusty? The Word. Reading it. Hearing it preached. The sacraments like we're about to take. The Holy Spirit encourages you. Prayer. Fellowship. All those things are things that grow you. What we call means of grace. Grow you by the Spirit's power in faithfulness. Amen? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank You first and foremost that we have a faithful Savior, a manager, Jesus. And He doesn't call us to the rug because of our sin, our debts. He owns those for us on the cross. Thank You so much. And we want to love Him. We want to walk in the deposit of the Spirit that He's given our lives. We want to walk in faithfulness and little and big. Lord, to honor You because all we have is Yours, O Lord. Give us more grace, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.